So many things have ruined my childhood So I go online to bitch and cry It feels like all of Hollywood is up against me They even made Optimus Fly New versions of what I grew up with Are being remade, rebooted and retried My adolescence is under attack now I think that a part of me has died Aliens, uh -huh, uh -huh. Predators, uh -huh, uh -huh. Marvel, uh -huh, uh -huh. DC, uh -huh, uh -huh. maybe it doesn't all quite sting. Okay, well, except maybe for that Jar Jar Binks. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Hello and welcome to This Podcast Ruined My Childhood. I'm Phil Duresmo and with me as always is Eric Walensky. Say hi, Eric. Hey, how you doing, Phil? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. I know that you're doing great because we're going to be talking about one of your favorite subjects, which is pizza. Dun, da, da, oh, pizza, pizza the hut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to be bringing back one of our old favorites, which is Star Wars. Oh yeah. So this week, we're going to discuss Star Wars in the Disney era. So we're going to talk about the first film that was made out of that deal that was brokered, which is The Force Awakens. So we'll just get right into it and talk about one of the main things that happened right when Disney signed the, the deal with George Lucas is they scrubbed all of the continuity that had come before except for the movies. They said all of the books that were written, all the comics that were made, all of the short stories that had come out, Anything that was Star Wars related that was not episode 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 is now called Legends. Doesn't exist, never happened, it's an alternate timeline. Read them if you want, but they don't mean anything to us. Which is pretty sad. Very sad. And a little bit of a mistake, I think. I understand why they did it, because they wanted to start their own level of continuity, but I think they could have done a better job of, of bringing some of that stuff into play for sure for sure and you know I, I i misspeak when i say just the episode just the films because the clone wars tv show uh and the rebels tv show i believe were both done before disney bought and they've stayed canon but um it's it's truly a, a tragedy because some of the best star wars books that have ever been written were written in what is now called legends uh, you you were the one actually years and years ago when we lived uh both when we both lived in the state of florida you got me hooked on the storylines that star wars was presenting the thrawn trilogy the han solo trilogy really everything that happened from when leia and han and luke and mara jade had kids i read from those points on and i loved every bit about those books um i still love the name jason spelled j-a-c-e-n and I want to name a child Jason, spelled with a C, just because I love it so much. Just any child? Any child, yeah. Just I see one on the street, I say, that's Jason with a C. And <laughs> usually he's like, no, my name is Tommy or, or you know, Timmy or, or Juan. But I just say, no, it's Jason now. And, and he just, you know, walks along with his parents. And they all give me kind of a dirty look. But it's, it's a really cool name. And I like that Han and Leia named their kid Jason, but spelled a little differently. I, I do have a friend who named his kid Jason. After that, Jason, he named his daughter Mara. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. I also liked that Luke's son, 
was named Ben because he actually had an emotional connection to Ben Kenobi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where in the, the films, which we'll get to in a little bit, Ben Solo, really Leia didn't really know Obi-Wan. And Han didn't really know Obi-Wan that well. The fact that they named their kid Ben just is kind of baffling. But I know that's a conversation for later in this podcast. That's like a taxi driver naming his kid after some old man he gave a ride to once. <laughs> yeah, it sure and is. And not just, just any very old odd. man, an old man that he thought was a crazy old wizard and was good at getting <laughs> yeah. him into trouble. That's right. That's so right. how am I going to honor the memory of that old man that I really didn't care for much? Oh, I named my kid after him. And not even his real name, a made-up name that he came up with when he was on a planet in hiding for 18 years. Exactly. Like why Leia didn't even want to name the kid after her father, mm-hmm. you know, in honor of him dying on Alderaan, you know? I mean, Han didn't really have any family or anything to, to name anybody after, but... yeah. Just very very odd, but anyway, we we'll, we digress. We're getting too too long on that silly little topic. There will but. be a lot of digression. <laughs> there will be. The legends have now come and gone. We know that everything we've read before doesn't really exist, which, as we've said, is is pretty sad. When Disney made this deal with George Lucas, he sold them treatments for the scripts that he had already planned out or storyboarded or at least wrote. You know the the treatments for of seven, eight, and nine. And we've talked about on another podcast how his treatment was going into the midichlorian verse and everybody shrinking down and becoming one with the midichlorian universe and finding out more about that, which is terrible. But Disney bought those treatments, I think kind of leading George Lucas to think that they would use those to build upon. But what they did is they took them. I don't know if they read them over or not, but they definitely crumpled them up. And they went, Kobe, They immediately brought J.J. Abrams on board to start writing The Force Awakens. Which was a great choice on paper because uh, I think he did a great job with the Star Trek reboot. Yeah, I mean, that was basically his audition, right? He made Star Trek for Star Wars fans Mm -hmm. and for today's millennials because it was set in an Apple store. Yeah. (laughs) It really did seem like the right right thing to do on paper. I mean, J.J. Abrams, I've said before... And I will say again, I loved his stuff before The Force Awakens. I loved the TV shows he had worked on from Alias and Lost to uh, the films that he made like Cloverfield and Super 8. Um, I really, really enjoyed the stuff that he was either a producer on or a director on or writer on. Super 8 to me is such an underappreciated film. And yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people say that J.J. Abrams can only remake movies. He can't make movies. Because Super 8 truly is a Steven Spielberg movie to the max. It's like he took all the tropes from Steven Spielberg's heyday and made them into a film. But it was done with passion, with characters that you could get behind, uh, really beautiful visuals. It was just a cool concept and really well done movie. And we, like you said, Star Trek. Well done, made you care about Spock and Captain Kirk again. It was just well done. And then we get... The Force Awakens. And I remember just leading up to this film, all of the hype, just everybody was going on and on about how everything we were seeing from trailers to what was going on at Star Wars Celebration was just hype to the max. The music that was coming out was great. The trailers were great. The characters looked great. Any tease that we got was just 
exciting and emotional. And, you know, when we were getting first stills of characters and not really knowing much about them, there's like, oh, this new evil guy named Kylo Ren. He looks badass. The Knights of Ren. Oh, my goodness. They look scary. This young girl on a desert planet named Rey. That seems kind of like it's calling back to something that we know. So it was just everything was at a fever pitch. People were excited. They couldn't wait for Star Wars. There were a couple of naysayers that were saying that Disney's going to ruin it. Uh, There were people that definitely thought that letting a big company like the Walt Disney Company take over a storied franchise like Star Wars was going to actually hurt the property. And, you know, it wouldn't be shown for a couple more years whether or not that was true. And I still don't know if we know it's true or not, but it definitely called out some fanboys to say that they were worried. I think a lot of the fanboys, is it's a knee-jerk reaction. Once Lucas had his Industrial Light and Magic and Lucasfilm and all the different companies at his disposal. Star Wars has never been a homegrown mom and pop little shop anymore. So to fear that a giant corporation is going to lose the integrity of the property seems a a bit of a knee-jerk reaction, just kind of thumbing your nose at big money, big corporate, just to do it. Because I think that Disney as a company you would have access to the best of the best of movie makers and scriptwriters and special effects creators. You'd have all that at your fingertips and so much money to throw at it that you could, if you had good leadership, make a tremendous film. But as we said, they already canned all of the Legends era Star Wars stuff. And I understand why they would do that. While it was heartbreaking, they wanted to start fresh because they're making sequels to movies that the last one aired in 1983. So you had to pick up all these years later and you kind of have to discount anything that was written because with the fanboy era now, it would get picked apart, right? Right. Right. They'd find something that somebody said is not canon. and Yeah, if this was in this book and that was in that, how can this make sense with this and on and on and on? So I understand why they had to do it. I just don't know why they didn't keep the best elements of that stuff and rewrite it into whatever image of Star Wars they wanted to make. Thrawn should not have been a backburner character only recently inserted into Star Wars Rebels. He, he should have been written in as the bad guy right from the get-go. They already had so much amazing source material. It's just like the Marvel movies. A lot of their success is based on the fact that there have been comics for decades that they can draw from and use the best of the best storylines from all of that stuff while still creating a new look and a new modern feel for it. Right. So to take a book from 1995 – and a character who was so brilliantly written and and so many different characters and, and plot points, all that could have been thrown into a big pot and the top 10 things could have been kept. But I think in Disney's fervor, perhaps, to make this their own, they just wanted to start completely fresh. And I think that's where they didn't maintain the core integrity of Star Wars. I will say I think they did a little bit better job of retaining the integrity of Star Wars than even Lucas did with the prequels. 
But if I had a time machine devoted strictly to pop culture, I would have I'd go back in time and I would have Lucas make seven, eight, nine instead of one, two, and three. Because I think you could have got a much better story with a younger Luke, Leia, and Han. And uh, not that the fact that they were old hurt anything. It limited the, the, the time away from, from Return of the Jedi just limited what you could really do with them because you already had to have grown-up children. You couldn't, you couldn't watch the arc of a small child. Right. It would have made no sense in the current movies to have watched Han and Leia at that age have a 14-year-old. Right. It, it just wouldn't have worked. That's why you had to rush Kylo through, which again is why you had to have his whole story in backstory the way they did it. Right. I mean, is this the part of the show where I get out all my drafts of how Star Wars could have been better? <laughs> this, this-, <laughs> this could be it. I mean, if we're just talking Force Awakens, go for it. Blackout. Lucasfilm. Title. Star Wars. Episode 7. <laughs> what would you call it? Force Awakens is a great title honestly it is yeah i think that that is because it star wars has been asleep at least as far as uh you know the movies have been concerned since 2005 when the last prequel was out Mm -hmm. so so yeah the force reawakened and, and it's time for a new start and we're picking up at the other end of the original trilogy it just started with too much confusion right from the get go because nobody knew who Poe Dameron was. Nobody knew. I don't even remember what the name of the character was that he got that transmission or the the map mm-hmm. of Luke Skywalker from. The, it started with too much unfamiliar storyline that I think it needed to be framed a lot better from the initial start. Luke Skywalker has disappeared. That made no sense. Right. Because he didn't disappear he he left purposely, and I think – I don't even know where to begin here. There is so much to go over yeah. with, my, with my rewrites. San Tekka. That's the guy's name. San Tekka. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lor San Tekka, who is someone that they knew, who knew Leia, who knew the – Resistance? Here's the problem that I have, and we'll go into all of your rewrites, but the problem I have is that we are we are playing into the character's age. You know, we are playing into Han, Leia, and Luke being so much older because 30 years have passed. And the problem, or more than that, right? 40 years have passed. The problem that I really have is that we don't ever see peace. We don't ever see a new enemy emerge. The First Order's already there, and they've already taken over the galaxy almost. You know, or they've partly taken over the galaxy, and then the Resistance still has another part of the galaxy. It's so off-putting to me that we immediately start with big bads again when we just, I don't want to say just ended with peace, but if you think about the continuity of the films, Episode Six ends with them winning the biggest battle they needed to win to really start claiming huge victories. Agreed. So we skip over... All the victories, we skip over them starting to build the Republic, and we just jump right into we're at war again with a new enemy that came from the ashes of the old enemy. Agreed. And it's exactly the same as where we left it. Agreed. Just everybody's older. It hurts the story because you're 
truly remaking Star Wars and not adding on to Star Wars. Continuing it. Exactly. You've already got these amazing established characters. Just tell me a new story featuring them. Mm -hmm. You bring up a great point. We never see peace. One of my drafts, which I try to be fair to these movies too, where I will, I'll still try to keep some of the, the movie that they made and just make it make a little more sense, kind of clean up their plot holes. But, but if I was going to completely rewrite this, I would have started the movie off with a couple of Jedi that we don't know who they are, a girl and a boy or two girls or two boys, whatever, young Jedi doing something. And then they make a call on a communicator. And next thing you know, oh, here comes the Falcon whoosh, whooshing over a planet. Oh, okay. So they know Han, you know, and, and slowly or, and then by the time this all unfolds, have them fight a gang, have, let's see Luke, Leia and Han, you know, or, or, you know, Chewie and, and the, the gang, let's see them in action doing something just to establish that they're a cool little group. Kind of like the way Guardians of the Galaxy 2 started mm-hmm. off. Yeah. They're out there doing a cool little mission. Yep. It's just watching the people you love have a little bit of fun. And you have Luke and, you know, and then Luke shows up in his cloak. You know, he's he's the master now. He's the Obi-Wan Kenobi character from the original Star Wars. And he helps these two young Jedi who are maybe a little brash and he trains them and this is their instruction but then yes maybe one of them is somehow distant or or drawn off somehow right. and uh you see like ooh there's a little darkness there oh luke might have a little trouble with that one and then you find out it's han and leia's kid right if it wasn't going to be his own kid which right i think if you're really going to rhyme all of this together it makes more sense to have kept mara jade and included her and had this child actually be luke's child and then you have the father-son dynamic in that respect you still have han die at the end of this first movie but have him go out like a hero you know have him go out concisely and specifically and completely dead but there's no, I, you know, no cliffhanger. Oh, he might have survived that blast or something. But have him go out and honestly have Chewie go out with him. Right. Have Han like in this desperate situation saving his friends. And in the last second, you know, there's Chewie like right by his side as he always promised he would be to help Han finish that one last little part of the mission, which ultimately saves everybody else. You know, you could still have Luke take off. I don't see problem with Luke disappearing, but have him disappear for a good reason that he was going off to, you know, it was rumored in The Force Awakens that he was going off to find a Jedi temple. Well, yeah, let's watch him go off and find this Jedi temple. And it can still be for the same reason that his Padawan falls to the dark side and he realizes he needs to cut himself off from the Force. It could still be for that, for the guilt he feels. It just, we, it would have been better to see it. Totally better to see it. Now, I do want to say something before we get too deep into this, which we already kind of have, but I do want to say that I I liked The Force Awakens. I enjoyed the movie. I really enjoyed the characters. I love Rey. I think she's one of the best characters to ever come out of Star Wars in general, out of all nine movies. Well, I guess what, 11 movies? 
I think that Poe Dameron is a fun character. I think Finn is an okay character. I I love BB-8. I do think we missed not seeing all of the original cast together once. Exactly. And if that's the one thing that I'll die on my sword on, my lightsaber, i die on my lightsaber on, is that we should have once had Luke, Leia, Han, Chewie, R2-D2, and C-3PO together. And that's not fan service either. No. That's taking existing characters and putting them together Mm -hmm. in a situation that you've already established a history for. Fan service to me is cramming something in when you didn't really need it. And I think these movies needed that last little nod, that last little tie to the originals, and then go ahead and split them all up and... Yep. Put them all over the galaxy doing whatever. Agreed. And you know, what really comes out of this idea that you you have, not to cut you off, but The Last Jedi as a film could have still been the exact same film with where a rewritten Eric Walensky version of The Force Awakens ends. Yeah. And that, I think, is important because, you know, I, we'll talk about this at another time and people might turn this podcast off and never listen to us again after I say this, but The Last Jedi is one of my favorite Star Wars movies of all time. I think that it um, is very unconventional, but it takes Star Wars into a new direction and it continues the story, unlike Rise of Skywalker and unlike The Force Awakens. So I think that um, anything that we say that happens in a different version of The Force Awakens would lead to The Last Jedi. It could be with different characters, but I would like that Rey would still be one. So maybe, you know, Luke is training Rey and. Han's kid or, or his own kid, but he, that's, those could have been the two yeah. apprentices there. Mm-hmm. It could have been, it could have been his son and this girl and there, there you go. So then once his son turns to the dark side, it's this girl and that's a redeeming story right there. He could be all upset that his son went to the dark side and what did he do wrong and how did he fail? But then here comes this other apprentice who has no family connection to Luke but says, I listen to you, Master Skywalker. I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I can help you. And that's the ultimately what ended up happening is Ray talked him into coming back one last time. And that's that could have had so much heart. And and that plays into the fact that all of this is family. And then that could have also played into what you kind of touched on with the new direction of Rise of Skywalker, that this was just some female Jedi who had no family, no no big deep connection to the force, which is sort of what all of this started turning into. It's like you had to have this parental lineage of right. force in you, but but none of the you never got you don't know what Mace Windu's parents were like. You don't know what <laughs> Obi Wan Kenobi's parents were like. Right? They were literally they were taken from their families and just raised in the force. Yep. And you ne- you never needed to know. So then. To just have that all kind of betrayed in Rise of Skywalker, oh, you're my granddaughter. It's like, wah, wah. (laughs) I don't want to get too deep into that because we'll get into it another time. We'll get off of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back to The the Force Awakens, I agree with your assessment of what the film should have been. But let's talk a little bit about what it was because it was a hodgepodge of everything that they did in Star Wars A New Hope just – to the max with better special effects, I guess. There's a planet killer. Yeah. <laughs> There's a huge base called Star Killer Base, which is made out of a planet instead of 
a space station that's the size of a moon. There's a faceless bad guy, which is Kylo Ren. You know, he's the the Darth Vader. There's a leader that he follows, which, although I will say in A New Hope, we didn't see the Emperor, right? Correct. Uh, it wasn't until Empire. But Snoke does have an appearance in, in this movie, which calls back to the huge holographic image of the Emperor in Empire. There's a cantina. There is a cantina. There's the Falcon. There's a droid that is carrying secret plans. Yeah. There's a desert planet. A desert planet. There's one person that knows how to use those plans to destroy the base. It's just a lot of the same. <laughs> exactly. And it, and that's where a, this reboot sort of, because uh, I'll, I'll say it's sort of rebooting Star Wars. It, it, it fails in that respect that it doesn't, this is one of the unique properties that could have continued what you already had. Since you are picking up as the seventh installment, it's not like Star Trek, which basically was retelling the original stories of the original characters on what you could say was their first mission together. This wasn't picking up after Star Trek Six. This was picking up brand new and starting its own history but this was very unique in the fact that you're actually making the sequel all these years later and so you've already got all of this established stuff you didn't need to start from scratch you didn't need to retell star wars and because that's that to me seems like it's it's treating a new hope as something magical mm-hmm and it was magical for its era, for the 70s, when there was nothing like that. It was magic. And then Empire just doubled down on that. And then Jedi, debatable for some people, but I say finishes the whole story off in a nice, puts a bow on it, and there you go. There's Star Wars. To have tried to start over and just retell Star Wars, it's almost like, hey, for this new generation of kids, we've got to tell that same story so they get it. Right. And it's like, no, you didn't. You could have picked up and told an amazing story. And if they cared at all where the old people in this movie came from, they could go back and watch the originals. Mm-hmm. But you can still introduce the new people, but keep the integrity of the the story that you're continuing. Yeah. It's interesting because J.J., you know, I, I kind of mentioned before, J.J. does this. He he rehashes when he makes films. And I, I never really thought about it to this degree until I really thought about this movie. When I saw this in the theaters, I loved it. I loved every second of it. In, in this Force Awakens, we have this strong female, young female, who is, who has the, you know, in touch with the Force, who is amazing with her lightsaber, and... She is going to be a role model for my daughter when she grows up. You know, it's that type of thing that I'm thinking of. And this is this is amazing. The sets are beautiful. This, um, aside from the desert planet, everywhere else that we go is really cool. There's this badass Captain Phasma character who's also a strong woman in this awesome um, stormtrooper armor. Um, just got some cool elements that I was really excited about. Ray's character was good. Uh, albeit again, a copy of Luke Skywalker from A New Hope, this lost 
soul mm-hmm. waiting in the desert, orphan, and with this great power inside, but no real concept of how to use it. So in that respect, she she developed more through the movies. And as you said, we could talk about it later on another episode. But The Last Jedi, I really did see a side of Rey that made me want to explore a lot of what was happening with Ryan Johnson's version. But uh, as far as the first movie, it uh, it just seemed like it was too much of a copy and didn't give me anything really new to work with as far as The Force Awakens was concerned. And, and that's, you know, the whole problem with the whole Disney era of sequels. There's really not a lot of new to work with. Can I go back to one of my drafts real quick? Yeah. <laughs> let's let's hear it. I had so much problem because you said you liked The Force Awakens, and I won't say I hated it. I, I didn't dislike it at all. The, there are very, very – while you enjoyed Ray, I enjoyed Harrison Ford's portrayal of Han Solo because he was Han Solo for me. I was a little nervous we were going to maybe see a shadow of Han Solo the way we kind of saw a shadow of Indiana Jones and Crystal Skull. <laughs> but whatever J.J. Abrams did working with Harrison Ford, I saw Han Solo from beginning to end in that movie. And that, to me, uh, was well worth any amount of time I sat watching The Force Awakens. What I, what I had a problem with, though, was the whole map MacGuffin at the beginning. If the premise was that Luke was supposedly disappearing because he wanted to go off and find a planet to die, as he says in The Last Jedi, why would he leave a map to where he was going? Yeah. If you didn't want to be found, Phil, would you leave a map? Is it explicit that he leaves the map or is it just the map that he was looking for? I'm being slightly facetious because, yes, he didn't leave the map. But there was a map in the Imperial Archives that was missing a part. And somehow uh, Biblioteca found that last part of the map. And that's what BB-8 was carrying with him. So I none of that made sense to me. Here's what would have been better. Instead of just some random planet and some random guy, it should have been a rebel communications installation. And you very clearly set up that Poe Dameron is there to get this from Rebels or Resistance, as it were. And it's a message from Luke Skywalker. It's an actual transmission. And we didn't want to rebroadcast it because the First Order has already hacked our system. Here you go. And just as he's about ready to get out of there, that's when Kylo Ren shows up and they know that they've had a transmission from Luke Skywalker. So then he puts it in BB-8 or whatever. So BB-8 isn't rolling around with a map, a part of a map. It's a transmission. And this changes Luke's motivations, of course, further down the road. But at least now we're not looking for a piece of something that leads to something that's part of something. This is a, this is a message. This is Luke's last, and, and why did he need to send a message? Why did he send it to the outpost? You know, this, mm-hmm. this raises questions, but at least moves a little bit of a plot forward. 
the fact that R2-D2 wakes up at the end of the movie for no reason <laughs> and then has the rest of the map that that part of the map fits into made no sense again. Yep. <laughs> I rewrite R2-D2's story arc like this. You can keep Ray and Finn and all of that, and we didn't really touch on Finn and everything, but we could keep that pretty much as is. Let's just change it now. So BB-8 just has a transmission. So R2-D2 story arc now is once Ray and Finn find Han and they get in the Falcon and all of that can transpire roughly as is. There's a little beep on the dashboard of the Falcon there and Han's like, oh, what's this? And Chewie, rrr, rrr, rrr. and then Ray and Finn are like, where are we going? We got to get to this place. No, we got to go pick up an old friend first. It's some sort of thing that over the years... R2-D2 is got a beacon that transmits a distress signal straight to the Falcon because if we're to assume that these guys are all friends, maybe they hooked up some sort of communication system, there's R2-D2 floating in space. And he's, and he's not working because he's been out in space for so long. And it's because what happened to Luke? Something happened because R2-D2 left with Luke and now here he is jettisoned in space. So now you take R2, you could have him completely shut down for the whole movie. But then at the end, instead of him just spontaneously coming to life, you could have had mechanics working on him. Like, hey, we got to find out what happened to Luke. Oh, well, here's this transmission. Mm -hmm. Oh, and blah, 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 whatever. That at least gives R2 a little bit more of an arc than somebody just threw a tarp over him in the basement of the Rebellion, right? Such disrespect for R2-D2. And his whole explanation bb8 pulls the tarp off and 3po's like yeah he just shut down we don't know why yeah it is kind of bs um it's like they didn't know what to do or how to make it all come together so they just made him wake up it's like sloppy writing you know oh for sure if i had that pop culture time machine that i talked about i'd have jj abrams run the force awakens by me (laughs) and and i could have fixed a lot of this for him and 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 I could have given him multiple versions. I could have given him the big rewrite. I could have given him the small rewrite. And at very best, I'd fix some of these plot holes that I can't believe nobody raised their hand and said, this doesn't make sense. Part of the problem here is that I think J.J. kind of pitched the trilogy. And he, he only was planning to make the first one. So I don't know how it was going to work when two other filmmakers were going to be brought in to write and direct eight and nine. Mm -hmm. It's odd that they would have said that JJ would have been able to say, Hey, I'm going to have this movie. We're going to have Han in it and Leia in it. They're going to see each other for a minute, but Luke is not going to be in it until the end. And then he's going to come back in full force in the next two, you know, and then they go, Oh, that's great. That's great. We'll lose Han, but then we'll have Luke. And of course, Ryan Johnson did his own thing with it. And then J.J. and Kathleen Kennedy wanted to clean up, quote-unquote. So it, they never I don't think they ever got what they originally signed up for. And that's part of the problem. Yeah. Like, why was Luke even at the table read for The Force Awakens? Mm-hmm. That, was a, that was a cool photograph that was circulating everywhere. The table read. There they all are again together. Right. It's like Luke didn't need to be there because he didn't have any lines. It's all for the press. Or maybe whatever version they read, he did have lines. Who knows? Possible, but doubtful. 
So to start wrapping up this podcast, Ruined My Childhood, the Force Awakens edition, I think that there's a lot wrong with the way that Disney approached finishing off this saga, uh, the Skywalker saga, as it is affectionately known. And uh, they jumped on what was popular or who was popular at the time, which was J.J. Abrams, who had just come off of making Star Trek. And they knew what a big fan he was of Star Wars. And instead of saying, hey, J.J., let's make Star Wars for everyone, they said, hey, J.J., we want your ideas on making Star Wars relevant to the younger crowd today, which led to just remaking Star Wars A New Hope with new characters and new sets, but a lot of the same heart. It, it led to this trilogy of films that we've now had that has really let down a lot of fans. There are many fans that loved how this trilogy ended, but I think there are quite a few more that that don't like how it ended. And, you know, when we talk about things ruining people's childhood, I wouldn't go so far to say this ruined my childhood because I have the original films, and to some regard I have the prequels. And in another couple years when my daughter watches these we'll have these at least the force awakens where she sees ray use a lightsaber and it's just made for different people and different generations and, and one of the things that i try to think about is that this movie isn't necessarily made for me as a star wars fan it's made to induct new star wars fans and so why they couldn't just have their cake and eat it too is beyond me but that's what we got i think this scene sums up what the force awakens was and sadly i think it's a cash grab because the scene where maz has the lightsaber and han says how did you get that and maz says that's a story for another time these movies were designed to spawn books and series and so many more things than just being a good, concise story to be part of the franchise. Like you said, it was supposed to get more fans included to start talking to a new generation. But the plot of A New Hope was not a magic bullet. It wasn't, it was, it was amazing for its era. What, what this new Star Wars needed to be was amazing for this era. They did choose to have a female heroine, and I think that was great. But it just had her kind of retracing Luke Skywalker's steps for most of The Force Awakens, rather than forging any sort of new trail. I think the same way... Luke Skywalker and Han Solo spoke to all of the kids back in the 70s. You could have had Rey speak to the children now, but but with her own voice and not the Starkiller base that's the Death Star and Maz's cantina that was that cantina and Rey on a desert mm -hmm. planet, which is kind of like Luke on a desert planet until he meets yeah. a robot. I just wish they would have taken some of that into consideration as well as acknowledging what has been written for the past 20, 25 years between when the novels started somewhere in the mid nineties until mm -hmm. the force awakens came out. Completely agree. Completely agree.
As far as it being a childhood runer, absolutely not. I'm happy that I got to see Han Solo on screen one more time. I'm happy I got to see Luke Skywalker on screen. I think Mark Hamill gave one of his best performances in The Last Jedi, which we will talk about on another time. And I thought Carrie Fisher did a great job as Princess Leia for for The Force Awakens, especially not a big fan of her Force coma in The <laughs> Last, Jedi. Last Jedi. But again, that's a story for another time. Yes, it is. And with that, I think we'll leave you with, uh, with this sentiment from Eric. I think J.J. Abrams would have been well off to have listened to Yoda from Empire Strikes Back. Do or do not. There is no try. And you tried a couple things you probably shouldn't have. That's great. That's great. So, Eric, why don't you tell the people out there where they can find you uh, outside of this podcast? They can find me on my other podcast, Everything, Anything, and Nothing Really, on YouTube, on iTunes, on Podbean, wherever podcasts are sold. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Fildimo, F-I-L-D-I-M-O as well as on other podcasts in the Real Fans Podcast Network, Real Fans for Real Movies, Holy Badcast, Disorder, Every Disney Film, and Grim Grinning Hosts. Thank you all for joining us, and we hope that we have not ruined your childhood. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Since Luke disappeared, people have been looking for him. Why did he leave? He was training a new generation of Jedi. One boy, an apprentice, turned against him and destroyed it all. Luke felt responsible. He just walked away from everything. Do you know what happened to him? A lot of rumors, stories. People that knew him best think he went looking for the first Jedi temple. The Jedi were real. I used to wonder about that myself. Thought it was a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. A magical power holding together good and evil, the dark side and the light. The crazy thing is, 